can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you, Tom. Okay, let's see. Uh, the Anchor app just won't let it work through. Should, should I start? Okay. Uh, yeah, you can go ahead and start. I'm going to move to another room. Okay. Okay. All right. Go for it. Whenever you're ready, buddy. Oh, okay. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Industry Horror Coffin Cast. I'm your host, Nathan, and well... A big game has come and gone once more, but I'm going to need some help talking about this game, even though he might be biased as a 49ers fan, but anyways, he's very familiar. He's the host of a sports radio show, has a podcast, stand-up comedian, and a stand-up guy. It's Tom. Wait, I'm still playing, or am I retired? McLean! What's happening, man? Thanks for having me on this morning. What's happening, brother? Um, a lot of stuff. I mean, for people to know, uh, we were a great example of either T-Mobile ad or a Southwest Airline, an old Southwest Airlines commercial yesterday because we try to do recording and sometimes technology is just not your friend sometimes. <laughs> yeah, this is our third attempt. Let's make it happen. Third time's a charm, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> it's here. Do you want better connection to your service or want to get away? Right. <laughs> so, we'll be talking about, is, is this going to be a memorable game down the line, like later on? Throughout, we'll be talking about the commercials, of course, because most people watch the commercials more than the actual game. And then we'll even talk about, can the host team streak continue on? I don't know what the Arizona Cardinals, unless they find a way to get Aaron Rodgers. I I don't know how they're going to be able to do that. And, of course, talking about, since you are a fan of the San Francisco Giants, talk about how the Baseball Riders of America are a little bit hypocritical on having David Ortiz and not letting Barry Bonds in Cooperstown as well. Right. And Valentine's Day yesterday, well, even, and it seems like since, since they added an extra game to the NFL, that will make it have the big game because the Valentine's Day almost pretty much every other year, unless they have one more game. <laughs> then we're going to see if we can come up a title and even a plot for a big game Hallmark movie. I love it. <laughs> so do you think this will be a memorable game? Well, I think it's going to go down in history as a very memorable game because it had it all, and it uh, it kind of had all the way up until the end. You really didn't know what was going to happen because in the past, Matthew Stafford was never that comeback kid that was able to deliver at the end. It, he seemed to, at least when I've been watching, the, you know, the Detroit seasons, uh, he seemed to f- always fall short. So I thought it was it was pretty awesome, and we'll see. 
you know, if Matthew Stafford goes down in history as a, a Trent Dilford quarterback, or if he goes down in history as a John Elway who finally got over the hump and uh, is able to actually kind of change the narrative of his career. Are you there, caller? Now that you mentioned so that that is a that is an interesting comparison. I've never thought of Matt Stafford being more of you know the John Elway storyline, but when you mentioned that, uh, I the don't the only difference is that John Elway went to a lot of big games in his career. This is Matt Stafford's first, but yeah, I could definitely kind of see you know the storyline and comparison. I mean, Matt Stafford went through. I mean, with that Detroit Lions organization and then having them come back, you know, go to L.A. and find a way to win the big game. I, I, I mean, he, he, had, he had all that talent. It, it goes to show. I think that will hopefully tell a lot of coaches down the line. It, yeah, you need to get the quarterback, but you also need – you need a defense that can go after it. Yep. You, you need an O-line. You need a running back that can run. I mean, I didn't see that with the Rams in that game, but usually they, they do pretty well in the running game. But Even good defenses. Bengals defense right there. <laughs> even really good defense kind of stop working for the offense if, if they're just going out and kicking field goals, if they're going out and, and the offense is sputtering, every, it, you know, it's uh, contagious. The entire team starts to um, starts to kind of fall back if the offense isn't producing. And a lot of times that is um, your offenses are, is all, are all the players bought into your quarterback. And a lot of times that's what it really comes down to. And sometimes it might not even come down to the talent. It's does, you know, does the team believe that the quarterback can do it? You also need that player that is hungry. And Aaron Donald was hungry. He was starving. I mean, yeah, I mean, his size, I mean, he could have fooled you, but he was starving. He, he, it it almost that he fasted himself before the big game. Like, all right, I know the main thing. It's like an exclamation point on a career, but he's only 30. So he's got so many, like he can go for a, a lot, lot more time and he still already has a story completely written. So who knows? He's going to be like Star Wars. He could have a thousand stories by the time it's all said and done. I, I think, I think to be honest, I think Aaron Donald might retire. I, 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 you can't, I mean, how could you top, you know, winning in your own stadium? You were the key moment. Especially grabbing almost similar to, to Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Get over here! <laughs> I don't know. Well, Von Miller's still playing. and Von Miller was Super Bowl MVP. And Von Miller had some of those great moments. As a matter of fact, uh, Peyton Manning should, uh, should probably have had Von Miller introduce him at the Hall of Fame. Because... Peyton Manning wouldn't have gotten that uh, that last Super Bowl if it wasn't for Von Miller on the other side of the ball. What did Peyton Manning throw for 14 yards and <laughs> in his last game? He got two-point conversion, though. He got two-point conversion. That's right. He did do that. <laughs> they, they, they were trying to do a send-off in those – I remember reading those articles and – 
And you imagine being Sports Illustrated, like, we're trying to give this great send-off, but he just didn't have a great game. How are we going to yeah, write about exactly. one song? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like you're, it's like you have this movie, and uh, Prince Charming shows up, and he's 85 pounds overweight and smells like cheese. <laughs> well, that was Shrek, so, I mean... <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this game will be remembered for. This, I think this would have been a lot memorable game if it wasn't for you know the penalties, especially on the last drive, and it has a lot of people going. Yeah, I think Vegas got their hands somewhere with the refs. <laughs> you know, there were some phantom penalties, but it seemed like the phantom penalties went both ways. And normally, like if 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 there's like a a real and granted when they happened did did definitely uh, give an advantage to the Rams but I felt like I felt it was well officiated game other than a couple of calls you know what I mean yeah I I definitely agree with that but but man everybody's gonna remember that and everybody's gonna think of what should we title that drive it's right in front of you the super cooper drive (laughs) super cooper I like that uh, I, I did come up with that. A lot of people were like, Super Cooper. I'm like, yeah, we should call it the Super Cooper drive. Because it was mostly – Matt Stafford's like, all right, OBJ's injured. Man, <laughs> it just – the running yeah, game the running is just game not – the running game wasn't reliable. The running game wasn't reliable. And you're just, okay, who can I go to? And you're like – Cooper Cup, and especially on fourth and one at your own 30. If you do not convert, then if they want to, they could just put in McPherson to kick the field goal and have it in right there. It... <laughs> nice. <laughs> so insane. Such a, I thought it was a great game. I was really impressed as somebody who didn't really have a whole lot of, uh, you know, I was kind of rooting for the, uh, for the Bengals. For the Bengals. I know, because – you're because the Rams took away your Niners. Yeah, and also the I mean the 49ers had beat the Bengals twice in the Super Bowl. They beat them back in um uh their first Super Bowl. Everybody remembers the catch when Dwight Clark made the catch over the Cowboys, but they went on to play against um Ken Anderson and the Bengals. And that Super Bowl, speaking of of great defensive endings to games, I mean the 49ers had to uh, stop a drive where they were. It was a goal line stance. Where they, yeah, goal line stand. Yeah, yeah. It was like three. It was like four plays in a row where they. I mean, they were like first and goal at the one, and the 49ers were able to uh, to stop the drive. It was like a big thing. They called it the stop, and it was right after the catch, so it wasn't quite as memorable. Plus, you know, defensive linemen never really. I mean, still don't get their due. JJ Watt was the closest I think we've seen to people realizing how valuable those guys are. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. But I, but on that final drive, I mean, all I could think of, you know, especially to conveniently place the throwing flags on a play, it just remind me of that one episode from The Simpsons when Bart Simpson couldn't make that a uh, pop fly catch right. in the Little League World Series for the Springfield Isotots. And so they decided to recreate so that way he doesn't think, like, how bad he was. 
and, and trying to make up every possible excuse. You're like, oh, that was a foul ball, or uh, they weren't ready. It just reminded me kind of in a way of that episode. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I could, I could see that. You know, the refs are, you know, they're in that big old stadium, and they, you know, they want to get home alive, too. Yeah. <laughs> but... But man, what a game. What what a game. I mean, most of the time I was trying to set up my TV, but when I watched the game, it, it was a close game. You you felt the tightness of the game. It, it, it wasn't really a blowout. Yeah. It's all you can really ask for in a championship. It's it's a bummer when you go and it's over in the first quarter, unless it's your team. Then there's like one thirtieth of the fans that are happy watching it, you know? <laughs> and that's it. I still think Big Game 48 is one of the worst. Even if it was only they gave up 43 points instead of 55. I still think that was the worst. Because the moment you knew that they lost the game was on the first snap. (laughs) Sometimes it's how it goes. Sometimes it's over before it starts. It's unfortunate. At least John Elway in that big game against Joe Montana, at least he had a chance. At least he had a chance. Yeah, the first half he did. If yeah. he would have got started, if he would have got something going in the beginning, he would have. Yeah. All right, but enough of talking about other big games. Let's talk about what most people watch the big game for, the commercials. Did, were there any commercials that stood out to you and – well, for me, I have, a, I have this peculiar thing where I'm not like, a, I don't get into the commercials really at all. Like I get, the kids will call me back and go, dad, watch this. Look, dad, you might like this one, but I'm not, for some reason I detached from that, like in a, at a really early age, when I was in the air force, my girlfriend wanted me to go to a Super Bowl party with her, like her best friend. And I tried to tell her, I was like, well, it's not like, I really like to watch the games. I'm really analytical when I watch the games. I don't like to party while I'm watching the games. And so uh, we go to this Super Bowl party. She talks me into it. The lady plays smooth jazz while the game's on uh, and keeps it on mute and then takes the TV off of mute during the commercials so that we can all write, so we can all watch the commercials and rate them for some stupid party game she had. And so um, at that, like back back then, it kind of created a trauma for me to where I really was never the Super Bowl commercial guy. Like I, you know, I remember as a teenager liking the Budweiser commercials. But ever since then, ever since that whole uh, incident over at Michelle's place, I've... Uh, <laughs> I've n- never been a fan of the Super Bowl commercials. Isn't that weird? Have you ever met anybody with that weird thing? Uh, no, not really. But I have met people that are like, because one time my team came so close. It was one yard, one yard, one yard away. I will <laughs> never watch the big game ever again. One yard <laughs> so away. So have you met some Titans fans, eh? No, I was talking about Seahawks fans. While they, oh, yeah. Oh, why, why did they not run the ball with Marshawn Lynch? Because yeah, then, let's, let's throw it. Let's make <laughs> let's make Malcolm Butler uh, relevant in football history. <laughs> you know what's interesting? If the Seahawks did win that game, then Chris Matthews could have been uh, the big game MVP. You're when right. you think about it, especially. With that key touchdown before the half. Yeah, that's true. 
And then we would have, you know, uh, I'm not going to do the music, yet, but, but you know, you just won. It's a big game. It's a player here. What are you going to do next? I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, the commercials that I enjoyed, uh, let's see here. There's one that was, I think it was called, it was either FTX or ETX. I, but they basically had Larry David uh, throughout history saying, you know, saying no. Oh, I to did see that. Revolutionary that ideas. Uh-huh. Saying no to revolutionary ideas. Yeah. So, like, the wheel, like, yeah, not going to happen. And, and, and the toilet, like, nah, that's not going to, you know. They, they even made, like, a Declaration of Independence uh, reference. You're like, right. what? You want, to, you want democracy? You're even going to let the stupid people vote? Yeah. That's a great line. <laughs> and then, but it was a crypto ad. There were surprisingly a lot of crypto ads uh, for the yeah. big this year. Yeah, there's a lot of crypto bannering and a lot of crypto. It's, it's everywhere. It's kind of crazy. I mean, let's they can find a way to have it more organized than maybe I might, you know, maybe my invest. But for now, it just doesn't seem as organized. You know, once there's like there's rules to to crypto and, you know, and everybody uses it, you know, then I'll go like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll invest in crypto, you know. But I think we're at the point of everybody's worried that this will be the next Internet. Everybody is worried about. You know, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. That's why yeah. a lot of people are going, okay, crypto, NTS, and, and, the, and the metaverse. Everyone's worried that this will be the next internet. Right, right. When really it will end up being most likely another maybe MLM or pyramid scheme, perhaps, as in the only people that are getting rich are the ones that are part of it, not the people that are investing in it. Yeah, it kind of feels like the um, it feels like you're investing in a an avatar world, like a like a world that doesn't exist. And I think that that part has is hard to like. I think if you're a pragmatic person, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around it. It's like, um, well, it's like anything else. I mean, you look at baseball cards, and they're really when you boil it down, they're just pieces of cardboard, and some are older, and some have some something printed on it that makes it worth a lot more money so you know it's it's what it, will there be enough of the nation to buy into it for it to actually take off and you know because if enough people believe in it then it becomes a real thing but for now as far as i know it's, it's all kind of imaginary right <laughs> yeah but but i mean the theme for a lot of the big game commercials this year was crypto because there were a lot of crypto ads and celebrities Crypto and celebrities. You know, celebrities being in commercials. Back then, that was a rarity. You'd be like, oh my gosh, this. But now it's like, uh, any other, you know, any other nickel, dime, you know. Yeah, when uh, Michael Jackson did the Pepsi commercial, it was, oh my, he what? What? Oh my. And then that was a reason people tuned in because they wanted to see that commercial. And that was, 
because it was a big deal. Now, now you have, you know, every celebrity you can imagine on a whole bunch of commercials, they team up, they do them together. And, you know, honestly, they take a lot of work away from, um, they take a lot of work from, from working actors, people that are out there really, you know, grinding. The Super Bowl was always an opportunity for, for people to kind of showcase that hadn't quite been seen as much before. But now it's like this thing where you have, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's okay to get behind it. I guess it's it's fun to see it grow, but I don't need The Rock standing out there doing 20 minutes of stand-up, doing weird poses before the Super Bowl starts. Like, that was, like, no thank you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, another uh, another good commercial, what I thought was a good commercial, was Booking.com. Now, of course, it shows a meh commercial has Idris Elba, you know, being Idris Elba, uh, talking about Booking.com. But behind the scenes was genius and the timing. So what they did marketing-wise is that you could take a picture of any big game commercial and you could send it to booking.com on social media site and say, hey, send me there. And you would be entered in a contest and you might end up going there. Of course, uh, if you do take a picture of a movie crew, I'm kind of curious if that person wins. Most likely they just send them to a soundstage in Hollywood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that commercial. I would have participated in that contest. Dang it. I hope they do it next year. I, I think it was the right timing because everyone's so tired of this pandemic and just yeah. staying home. People want to get out. Yeah, I agree. It was just right timing. Mad commercial, but genius marketing by Booking.com. Yeah, I, I like it. You go ahead. No, go ahead. I said, no, I do. I like it. I, I, I wish I would have seen it. I didn't see it, though. I, as I said, the ad, you know, meh, you know, just sit yourself walking around. Uh, I wish they had a little bit more variety landscape-wise because all they showed was either Winter Wonderland or or the beach. There's some people <laughs> out there that enjoy walking around in a forest, it, yeah. it, embracing nature. Or climbing mountains, yeah, yeah. And then I got to mention one more ad because it reminded you of those loading DVD menu screens. Coinbase, that was on a whole nother level of marketing. I'm trying to, I think I did see that one. Which one was it? It, it was just a QR code bouncing around and changing color. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And I never, I never even took out my phone to see what it was. <laughs> well, it was a crypto ad. So you got crypto. If you scanned the QR code, you got crypto from Coinbase. Like free crypto? I don't know, but you got crypto. I'm not sure if it was free. Could have been free. I don't know. I didn't do that. I just looked and I just applauded. I just looked and I was like, bravo. I don't know what company you are. And then it revealed Coinbase. I'm like, all right, bravo to you, Coinbase. That is long game advertising right there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just want a simple ad straight to the point. Look, 
we're not going to try to sell you anything. Just just scan the thing and just see what what we have. What I want to know is, did the Bengals cover the spread so that Mattress King guy made some money? Because if it didn't, then Mattress prices are about to go up again. Well, I mean, if you have it set up to be a four or five point spread, rule of thumb, most likely will go the free. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though. The guy put all that money on Cincinnati. It's probably a straight up bet. And he owns he owns those mattress stores. I'm like, well, if he loses, all he's gonna do is raise the prices of mattresses. <laughs> you know, what I mean, he's not he made all that money off of the mattresses anyway. So, you know, he's be, he's betting with their money, not his own. <laughs> Man, I am really speaking of mattress. I I recently uh this year got a new mattress, and man, it's really comfortable. I wish I knew the name of the brand, but but man, I have been really enjoying my mattress. Yeah, it's very comfortable. Very it's comfortable. Been, getting a good night's sleep is everything, man. Everything else in life starts to fall into place when you're getting your sleep. Yeah, definitely. And, and just some advice to people, when you do get your new mattress, put your mattress on your bed first. And then you cut it so that way, you know, so that way your mattress could be in full. So that way you don't have to do what I did. So I opened up my mattress and of course it went full up. But then I got a, I had to pick it up and, and move it. And it was really heavy. So people, just to save the trouble, put it on your bed and then open it up. There you go. <laughs> okay also i just want to say i really appreciate with the big game logo this year actually not looking you know the same old big game logo in the past i like the very first version of it that they ran with that looked like a bloodbath it looked like there was a bloodbath on it on the la you know it had the it had like the sunset and it was kind of a dark red and so they had to change it because people were going, that's kind of creepy looking. <laughs> well, that's kind of California right now these days. I mean, I think the artist had the right intention. <laughs> I think you're right. I thought that too. I thought, man, th this, wasn't, this wasn't an accident. <laughs> yeah, but that those warm colors really pop out and, and the palm trees. Because, yeah, that's what you think of L.A. The warm, warm colors of the sunset. And then in the yeah. palm trees. Yeah, and, and uh, thousands and thousands of people sleeping on the street. Other than that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's kind of hard to put that, hard to put that into a Super Bowl logo, though. Somebody could help the homeless. I, I, you, you go like, oh, man. Just... We're very fortunate that we're in homes right now. Like, I, you don't want to take granted. I, I agree. I, it's, uh, I, I agree with you, man. I do. That's you want to know an interesting statistic? Uh, can I tell like a little bit of a story, like a quick story? Absolutely. Okay, so the last time I traveled, I went to Seattle. 
And I went into, I do believe it was the, it was the Pop Culture Museum in Seattle. And I remember walking in and reading this uh, interesting statistic. It said seven in 10 people are just one paycheck away from being homeless. And like in Seattle, right? And said, no, in America, seven out of 10 people. And I... And I was just thinking at the time, I feel that this is a very important statistic to keep in mind. And I had no idea at the time, you know, that, you know, this pandemic came along, but I just felt that was a very important thing for me to keep in mind. Right. I mean, and then then even after that, when you think about it, because then the pandemic hit and what happened? Uh, you know, there's less jobs, but prices of everything have gone up, especially rent and especially rent and, and homes in our area, you know, here yeah. in, in the 805. And it's kind of you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Yeah. So enough about the morbidity of, of the reality <laughs> of the world. Let's, let's, let's move on. To- <laughs> Lucky for us. Right, Nathan. So somebody will take us in, no matter what. So we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> we're we're not one one uh, paycheck from homelessness. We're one 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 paycheck from moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. Let's let's move on from that. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it, no, it's okay. I I just wanted to tell that story because I felt that was kind of it felt important at that time. I had no idea how important. I, I had no idea. I, I hope I wasn't the one that was supposed to say everybody, everybody, I have a warning for all of you. I failed badly. I failed badly if I was supposed to be the messenger person. <laughs> well, better late than never. We're getting it out there now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's see. So let's talk about the host. Will the host team streak continue on? Because the past two big games, Tampa Bay was the host. Tampa Bay ended up winning it. L.A. was the host. And people were kind of hoping for Chargers and the Rams uh, battle L.A. big game. That didn't happen, but L.A. Rams ended up winning. So next year, it will be in Arizona which is well-known for having some classic, memorable big games, especially Big Game 49. Do you think the Cardinals can find a way to continue on the streak to have the host team be in the big game? I don't think that the, I don't think that the Cardinals have what it takes. I don't know if they have the organizational um, – I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but there's certain teams that have that um, – they just they just have that winning thing where they're always in the conversation. The Cardinals have have had their moments where they're good, but typically they don't hold on to it. You know, you have the NFC West. It's going to get it's good. I mean, we don't know I what's going to happen. I mean, we don't, we'll know, get, who, oh, we don't sorry. know who's quarterback of the Seahawks at the uh, you know at the beginning of the season. We don't know who's quarterback of the 49ers at the beginning of the season. You know, if Russell Wilson goes to San Francisco, which I would love. Not that there's any rumors of this happening, but if he would, it would be, to me, it would be lights out. I mean, that would be a team that would run the table for a couple of years. 
But, I mean, you guys have Trey Lance, so that might be similar to having Russell Wilson. We'll see. Yeah, well, that's the the idea is that you know you bring in Russell Wilson at the end of his career, working on we talk about legacy players who've already they're accomplished. So what are they going to do? They want to pass something on to the the next generation. You bring somebody like Russell Wilson. Those Seattle guys always love coming to San Francisco because they're already used to the cold weather, but uh, you know it's not quite as cold in San Jose as it is in Seattle, and uh, you know. I, I could see them just going for it. And then, you know, what better, you know, coach and example. And, and they, they're both are very virtuous guys too. Trey Lance and, um, and uh, Russell Wilson are very similar in their, um, just in their, their integrity, the kind of people that they are as well. And so I think it would be just an amazing fit. If I was the 49ers, I would put, I would trade an entire draft just to bring somebody like Russell Wilson in. Uh, so basically, almost similar to LA when they got Matthew Stafford in a way. Well, I, the Matthew Stafford thing I didn't think was quite as much of a shoe in because, like we talked about before, he wasn't. We, we didn't know if he was a winner. You know, we, he was kind of uh, the guy that came up short all the time. So, I, I you know, I just I don't see Arizona being um, anything more than they were. This, you know, really exciting at first, and then kind of. It's like the Mitch Hedberg joke about pancakes. Really, really exciting at first, but by the end, you're sick of them. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear that about pancakes. I'm just curious now what you think of waffles. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I, I I, I mean, the NFC West has represented six of the last 10 big games for the NFC. Mm-hmm. So crazy. I mean, <laughs> I I'm just thinking the interesting scenario. What happens? Kyler Murray goes to Seattle. Russell Wilson goes to goes to San Francisco, and then Aaron Rodgers is like, you know what? I'm getting already ready to retire. Let's go for it, Arizona. And then Larry Fitzgerald's like, all right, one more year. All right, let's go all in. And then you just have Stafford staying by L.A. I'm not going to say it's going to get that crazy in the NFL offseason, but I'm just. You're not too far. I mean, it's not you're not too far. That's not too far fetched, to be honest. I mean, I'm not saying I think it's going to happen, but, you know, you have Seattle's changing. They're going through changes and, you know, there's, you know, both Pete Carroll and um, and Russell Wilson are both thinking in terms of their legacy and, you know, bigger than just their run in Seattle, which I think they, they only ended up with one Super Bowl together, right? When it was all yeah. said and done. Or did, yeah, they, they, so they, they had the other one that they kind of dropped at the last minute to uh, by throwing to Malcolm Butler. But a, um, a, The passing play wasn't a bad idea. <laughs> wasn't a bad idea. <laughs> But why throw the ball in the middle? It's just yeah. It was a low. It was a low percentage. Uh, it was a low percentage play. It was. It wasn't very wise. I'm not sure what that was. I would put was... Chris Matthews in, and I do a slant outpost. I think we need to go through. Uh, we need to go through Russell Wilson's bank accounts and find out if there was any big checks from Tom Brady right around that time. That's what we need to do. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, okay. Now, now I'm starting to get what you mean. 
<laughs> well, if you're willing to deflate balls, you're probably willing to write a check or two, right? Yeah. Okay, enough about Brady. I can't do that because he might be my quarterback this next year. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, he always wanted to play with the 49ers. He did, and I think, um, you know, the, when the rumors came out, when, when Adam Sheffer put that out there, who he's never put out anything prematurely that ended up not being true, but uh, that was the first time where <laughs> that was the first time that Brady jumped out and was like, oh, my goodness, that's not true. I didn't say I was retiring or whatever. You know, it was kind of like uh, um, I felt like maybe there was some conversation happening that, hey, if we can get this scenario to happen, you know, and, and we all believe at least you know a, a lot a lot of us that believe the romanticism of uh, playing for your childhood team um you know I, I think a lot of us see, saw that as Brady going you know let's try to work something out with San Francisco cuz he did like he was the 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 Jimmy Garoppolo trade was initially that them the Patriots reached out they were looking at, to trade Brady they weren't looking to trade Garoppolo like that was like they were looking to move to the future you know uh, Belichick was and, uh, you know, Brady and Kraft got together and decided that that's not the way this was going to happen. And, <laughs> you know, history, history ended up happening the way it happened. And Brady's like, come on. I you don't can't think the 40... me with my dream. I don't think the 49ers fans would have been as, uh, as accepting of Brady. I think it would have taken a while. I think it would have taken a little while for them to wrap their minds around the Brady thing. Yeah, I, I mean, his play style isn't the most exciting, but he he does the job, you know. It's yeah, well, he does, and I think that he, I think just all the comparisons between him and Montana, I think people are just Niner fans are just kind of tired of it because I think Niner fans, there was something about Joe Montana that no matter what, like when you when he was in the game, even if you were down by you know, two or three scores going into the fourth quarter, you felt like, oh, we'll probably still win. Like, you didn't even, it didn't feel like you might win. It probably would still win. And I don't remember having that feeling with very many other quarterbacks. Well, to be honest, with uh, Big Game 51, when everybody thought it was over, I'm like, no, it, it, it's it's far from over. I, I just have a gut feeling that Brady might find a way to pull this off. Yeah, and, and people laughed at me for me saying that. Mm-hmm. They laughed at my dad. They laughed at me, and well, you know what happened. Yeah, well, people forget he had a big comeback in the playoffs this year. That he's that was he's that playoff kid. So that's why Forty Nine er fans kind of have a problem with him because he's a threat to that um, that notion that Joe Montana is the greatest ever. And we were kind of I don't you know I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the Joe Montana documentary on uh, Peacock, but. No, uh, I, I didn't watch the Joe Montana documentary, but I did watch the Buffalo Bills documentary. That was interesting. Oh yeah, the four four falls of Buffalo. Yeah. Well, in the in the Montana documentary, he he they actually go over the whole Steve Young situation and how you know first Bill Walsh was kind of pushing to get Steve Young in there before he was ready because it was the same kind of thing where Montana style wasn't that exciting and he really wasn't in the game until there was pressure like that was he reacted to pressure he wasn't like a great um practice quarterback he wasn't 
you know, if you saw him at practice, he'd be out there kind of goofing around, kind of the opposite of Jerry Rice. He's out there running his wind sprints and all that stuff at four in the morning or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Joe Montana in his heart really believed the 49ers would have won a few more, at least probably two or three more Super Bowls if they wouldn't have uh, done the whole Steve Young thing. You know, they, but they, you know, they basically kicked Montana out of the meeting rooms and really just tried to accommodate Steve Young, you know, and that, and, you know, Steve Young got the one Super Bowl uh, win on his own. He's got three altogether, but he's got one that where he was the quarterback. And, you know, if even as a Niner fan, I've got to be honest, like they went out and they bought Deion Sanders and they, they had all these free agents to make sure that the defense could keep the, the other team to a lower score than the, than the 49ers. You know, and then they went out and they, they really, you know, had the great game against San Diego and, and that is history and that got Steve Young into the Hall of Fame and all of that good stuff. But um, but I really I really think the Montana thing, it would have been incredible if we had Montana for four more seasons without him being, you know, questioned and pulled out of games when he was behind, when he was known as a comeback kid. Yeah, definitely. But what's also interesting is Matthew Stafford isn't kind of isn't far off from getting close to being with Joe Montana when it comes to having uh, game winning drives, fourth quarter game winning drives. He's now number six. Yeah, especially on, after on the, the season, lift. man. The season yeah. wild. Yeah. <laughs> I I just want to say I I gotta give. It, I got to commend, you know, Cincinnati football for both college and pro. What a great year for both. Right. The Bearcats and the Bengals. The Bearcats makes the college football playoff. And, yeah, they didn't score a touchdown, but at least they scored, you know, against the Alabama team. Um, And and the Bengals making the big game, especially after what was it? They were four eleven and one last season, yeah. and yeah. they made the big game. Well, and I think too, one of the things you can't really um, underestimate about Cincinnati is it's such a young team. Burrow's in his second year. They've got Jamar Chase. They've got the whole like their whole team is so young. It's going to be. That might be a team that, and they've always, you know, Cincinnati's always, um, as long as I can remember, their, their whole thing was always about defense. So the defense is always, you know, first order for them. And now they have all these young guys on offense that can actually produce. And they, and I don't remember them ever, I don't remember Cincinnati ever having a quarterback that was like the guy, you know? Well, maybe Boomer Esiason. Yeah, but Boomer was okay, but he never never won a Super Bowl. Never he, he made it to the one Super Bowl, but he never, you know. So I think you have the guy. He's like Burrow could be like a, a Manning or an Elway, somebody that you know, he's always just in the conversation. You where you know, like Drew Brees. Like when you talk about the great quarterbacks, his name doesn't always come up because it's a given. You're like, Oh yeah, well Drew Brees, of course, you know. I, I think he might be one of his own breed, to be honest, with Joe Burrow. I mean, I could definitely hear him, you know, when he scores a touchdown for the big game on the first drive, you know, for the next one, go like, let's go for two, you know, and have that confidence, you know. Yeah. 
See, and that's a good, that'd be a good thing. That's a good thing for, for Cincinnati. That's a good thing for that franchise to have that. Cause I don't remember them ever really having it. Yeah. I, I don't remember a quarterback having that. I'm trying to recollect if there was even a quarterback that close to having that type of attitude. And I just, and my mind is a blank, to be honest. I, I don't think they're... Kind of funny. His He kind of reminds me a little bit of Harbaugh as a player. Definitely more gifted uh, athletically, but uh, attitude-wise and everything, he does remind me a little bit of, uh, of Jim Harbaugh back in the, um, you know, the, uh, yeah, the Baltimore the Ravens days. Yeah. <laughs> or the, or the Indianapolis that. Colts. Yep. That's my team, Indianapolis Colts. That's my team. Now I'm just thinking about is what if we got Matthew Stafford? Would we would have won the big game? Would the Rams have found a way to win a big game with Carson Wentz, bizarrely? Right, right. You know who I really wanted to see things work out with uh, with the Colts was uh, was Philip Rivers. Like I thought he was a good. I think that I thought that would have been a lot of fun. Like if he that was a good one. He just decided to retire on us. No, I know. That's what I mean. I think if I really think that that was, I liked that. And I just don't know what, yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> He's got too many kids to take care of. You know, like retire, gotta hang out with the kids. I understand that. The Colts are another one where the Colts, you go, you look at the quarterback and the, the, I mean, man, quarterbacks were, the quarterbacks throughout the Colts history, it's kind of amazing. You go back to like Johnny Unitas and Burt Jones and historically the Colts have always, I mean, other than, you know, I guess the eighties when you had Mike Pagel and (laughs) some of those guys, but other than that, the Colts have always been pretty solid. Yeah, definitely. But I think we might have to draft to get a new quarterback, to be honest. I mean, I even said I wanted Carson Wentz. But I don't think I meant over Matthew Stafford. I'm like, if we can't get Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz isn't too bad. I mean, we had, we just got to work on some defense. We got the halfback at Jonathan Taylor. We just got to get some Andrew people. Luck. Andrew defense. Luck's had some time off. Let's bring him back. Who? Yeah, I said Andrew Luck. He's had some time off, right? <laughs> Didn't he have to heal a little bit? <laughs> I don't think he's going to return back. I mean, I, I no, I don't win. either. I was, I was kidding. I don't think he, he's been gone for a little while. I don't think he's especially being booed when when you announced your retirement. You know, I wouldn't want to return back if I, you know, you know. Do you really want to return to that team that booed you because you just decided not nah, good? Yeah, yeah. No, he he decided he didn't. He was done with football. He didn't want to get hurt anymore. He didn't want any more injuries or risk any greater injuries. It was. A, I think it's a, a commendable decision because you have so much money in front of you, and at that age, at that young age, to be able to just walk away from the game, it's got to be tough. Yeah. Now he can look into. See, this is why they they should encourage more people. You know that go into the NFL afterwards, so not just for college, but even trade school. You know, I, I wish they encouraged a lot more with trade school, you know, because right. everybody can make it in the NFL it, or they don't have as great of a career as they thought they did. And, you know, you just got to put your money in a different basket. Yeah. 
Well, I think the the average lifespan of an NFL player is two and a half years, and you got to reach. I think it's probably changed now, but it used to be that you had to reach three years in order to um, you had to, in order to get your pension. So you're not even guaranteed retirement by going into the NFL. So you could have a you could make millions and millions of dollars in one or two years, and absolutely have nothing coming to you after that. You know? Oh, I didn't I didn't know that I didn't know that. And I followed the sport for how long? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a scary thing, man. It's uh, you know, the, these young players—they're taking care of them better now. With you know, the the standard rookie contract is four years, so that pretty much it says if you can keep it together, then you're going to get your retirement. You know, but um, it's 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 a it's a rough go, you know. And then you're you're talking about young people with. Um, you know, they've been playing football their whole lives and they never imagined anything different. And then all of a sudden it's just over. The options are kind of, you know, you can either, you know, make, you can either make all this money by, you know, by being just a little bit better than the next guy. But the guy that gets cut might end up going, all right, you know, I'm going to spend the next several years trying to get back in the league and they'll play for these arena teams. And so a lot of the arena teams don't even pay the players. You know, a lot of the, um, the smaller leagues, they don't even, they're basically playing for the insurance and the travel and that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, if you're not in the big show, it's a, it's, it's, it could be a rough go, you know, <laughs> it's got, you got to really love the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's let's move on to a different sport for a bit. Let's talk about baseball and talk about uh, Barry Bonds in his last year of eligibility of trying to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, doesn't get in, but David Ortiz does. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, the Baseball Hall of Fame is a music never visit. That's all I got to say about that. I just, the, the hypocrisy when it comes to baseball and the, you know, you have guys like, uh, like Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis, who he did everything he could to keep baseball from being integrated. He's in the Hall of Fame. And this really? guy, did, like, he harmed baseball. And he's not the only one in the Hall of Fame. I mean, these are the baseball owners who are all basically in the Hall of Fame from that era. They they did everything they could to keep, you know, to keep black players out of baseball. And they're in the Hall of Fame. And then you have somebody like Barry Bonds, who's a once in a lifetime talent, will never see a baseball player as good as Barry Bonds, a player who could hit and just lock in and, and hit it as far and hit it as, you know, just beautifully as Barry Bonds. And he's not going to be mentioned because we have a bunch of sport right sports writers who uh, we know how morally virtuous these sports writers are. Right. So they should be the ones holding um, baseball players to a standard. I, I, I think it drives me crazy. I mean, to be honest, I think the fans, I mean, it's one of those things of, okay, let's say we get the fans to vote. He gets in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so do we put an asterisk, you know, or do we put uh, or do we put him in the Hall of Fame just for, you know, before he took – because his career, even before, you know, he, he got the PEDs and everything. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, yeah, some, some times are coming by. 
We're sorry about that. But but for the fact of if they wanted to, you know, alone, they could probably put him in the Hall of Fame just for the stuff that he did before he did performance enhancing drugs. Right. Yeah, he was already Hall of Fame. He was already a Hall of Fame player even before that. That was that's the weird part. Is we just completely ignore that. So I don't know. I don't understand it. And I won't, I mean, I'll never support the baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown. I'll never buy anything from their museum. I'll never visit it. I just think that they're uh, like, like you're saying, the hypocrisy is absolutely crazy. I, I have another interesting reason why I think uh, David Ortiz had a better advantage than Barry Bonds. Would you want to hear it? Absolutely. So, David Ortiz, A-Rod, and Frank Thomas, what do all those guys have in common? They are baseball correspondents for big networks. Yeah. So, they are buddy-buddy in a way with the Baseball Writers of America because it's basically journalists voting. And so exactly. with them being the public guy. Go ahead. Oh no, I was no, I agree. That's the it's that's one of those things where it's you know, you can't you can't get past it. These guys are on TV, you know. I mean, I don't even know if if they do a good job, all of them. Uh A Rod's definitely better than I expected, but yeah, they you know, they go on and they're they're part of that that sports writer's room and you know, these guys were in the Mitchell report. I mean, uh, A-Rod, how much, how much time did he miss uh, with suspensions because of different stuff? Like, over and over again. Like, he had multiple suspensions, if I remember right. Yeah, he did. And then you have but Barry Bonds, the- who never really, like, there was never really, besides this physical change and besides, you know, there was no real, there was no real link other than we all just kind of saw it (laughs) you know what i mean turned into fred flintstone (laughs) like wow your 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 body what do they call it your um oh i forget what they call it there's a word for it body composition your body composition totally changed all your muscle went into your head (laughs) i i mean I mean, in comparison, David Ortiz being a baseball correspondent, he is a very likable guy. Don't get me wrong. He has the charisma. I, I really do enjoy Big Poppy, you know, his personality. Now, I'm not sure if he actually did or didn't take performance-enhancing drugs, but but he was on the list, nonetheless. He was yeah, on the list. He was in the Mitchell Report, right? Yeah. But – in comparison, Barry Bonds, let's say he tried to get more in the public eye because realizing, okay, I just got to get more in the public eye, you, you know, beforehand. You know, this is my last year of eligibility. I got to get there in the public eye, you know, so that way people will understand on, hey, you know, I actually had a, you know, Hall of Fame worthy career. I was actually a great baseball player before, you know, these performance enhancing drugs that I took. Right. But Bonds is not, he's not that guy. He's just not, I've, I've met, actually met Barry Bonds three times and he's always been super nice. <coughs> he's not a fan of the media. 
his the media treated him exactly, like and that's a disadvantage right there. That that's yeah, a disadvantage they, right there because most of the guys that do get in the baseball hall of fame these days are guys that enjoy embrace the media that are friends with the media. I'm not trying to be a tinfoiled at conspiracy. It's just in the pattern. It's in well, the yeah, clock. I mean, he was. He's always had because his dad had a bitter. His dad and his uh, stepfather Willie Mays, or not stepfather's godfather Willie Mays, both were. Uh, Willie Mays was better at playing the game, and Willie Mays kind of had a specific uh, role in baseball history. Like, you know what I mean? And um, but uh, but Bobby Bonds was really kind of bitter and very anti media. He really preached against the the media, and Barry kind of came in and, and had that. Um, he great with fans, but it was the only thing that he really uh, would not accommodate to was the media. And, you know, unfortunately, the media controls the narrative, as we see in our country right now. The media, you know, if they tell you something, then you're going to have at least half the country that absolutely just believes it because that's what the media says. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, they're able to kind of, um, you know, paint the picture of somebody like Barry Bonds and go, oh, this guy's a bad guy. And, you know, a lot of people really believe it. And, um, you know, I'm here to say I've met him a few times and not, I haven't spent a lot of time with him, but really nice guy, really accommodating, all smiles, very engaging. Um, but, you know, understandably not a fan of the media. And if you uh, don't, if you don't understand those dynamics, I would suggest going. And when he broke the record, um, when he broke the home run record, uh, go back and watch that press conference because he has his kids sitting on his lap and the sports writers were just incredibly mean and, and just really like, you know, doing everything they could to take away from that moment from him. And you could just see that the, what should have been like the happiest day of this man's life, the most accomplished day of his career. And you could just see like the, the, uh, the warmness, you know, completely just drained from his face. And then by the end of the press conference, he was, it, he walked off as if, um, you know, he had lost the championship game, <laughs> you know. Yeah, definitely. And also, if he did get out and and just play, you know, you know, talking to the media, trying to make his case, what would be the first questions that would come up? Oh, what about PEDs? Uh, Falco, the fact that you lied to Congress, which, by the way, for anyone else that is a politician, that's a typical Tuesday, lying to Congress. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's the best part is when they're sitting there being questioned by these senators who are all so corrupt that you can't even see straight. And you're like, and you're really going to question these guys because of something that technically wasn't even illegal in baseball at the time. Like technically it wasn't even illegal. Everybody knew it was happening. They were, every, it's just like the whole, you know, stealing signs and all that stuff. Everybody knew it was happening. It was, it was, once the cards started falling, everybody wants to blame everybody else. Oh, so everybody was stealing signs, and so they were trying to make an example, almost similar to SMU in a way. Everybody else was doing it, but somebody's got to be the example, you know. Yeah, and... yeah. it wow. is, and it's, and it's, you know, it it just goes to show that the game changes. The game changes over time. There's estimates. I think what like feel how you want about Jose Canseco. Canseco is another guy who I've actually spent a lot of time with, but um, feel however your feelings are about him, almost everything he said 
came out to have at least mostly truth to it, right? So he, he came out and he put out this book and baseball's like, ah, oh, these guys are nut, blah, 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 blah. Then comes the Mitchell report. Like, oh, wait a minute. It's even bigger than Jose said, you know? And Jose had the book where um, he actually mentioned Robert, Roger Clemens and he doesn't know who did it, but somehow it was removed from the thing and he was not allowed to talk about Roger Clemens. And it's, it's kind of a, kind of a weird one, but um, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a complicated thing. It was an era of baseball and hopefully we're past it. We're probably not. I'm sure that the players are, there's players that are figuring out how to, how to get that stuff in their body without being detected. I mean, as soon, yeah. as, as, soon as there's a drug test, the, the, the companies that make the steroids are finding a way to beat the drug test. Like, cause they want to stay in business. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's as any other business, you know, you, if, you, if you can find a way, and, and still keep in business, you know. It's, it's just crazy. It's kind of crazy, but kind of makes sense uh, how we're under this pharma authoritarianism. <laughs> right? <laughs> we weren't even intending to bring it all full circle like that, but we did. Look at that. We're amazing. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about something lovely. As in, well, Valentine's Day passed as well, and if anyone ever meets me, that's my least liked holiday. And it's not for the reason that you think, though. (laughs) (laughs) I embrace being single, but I just don't like Singles Awareness Day because because it just reminds me of the times that everybody said, oh, happy Autism Awareness Month. Right. Just saying oh, I'm aware, but we're not going to do anything about it. That's why I don't enjoy the word awareness. Let's get to acceptance. Acceptance. Right, right. Inclusion, acceptance. Yeah, I agree. And actually, people that are qualified as well. You know, it's just not enough to have, oh, you have this. Check off the box. Yeah, right. Yep. We Qualified. Got or if you're if you don't have the qualifications, you have the passion, the earnestness. Yeah. The ability to grow, the willingness to grow. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about since big game is coming close to Valentine's Day for now on, unless they add one more game, then then they got to think about making a present, a big game President's Day movie. But in this case, <laughs> what do you think a title for a Hallmark big game movie would be? And if you could think of a plot, then. Well, what if we have a, uh, a quarterback who is, uh, is very likable but has a tough time finding love, looks in all the wrong places, but there's a defensive lineman who uh, a defensive lineman who has had their eye on this quarterback and, and uh, maybe maybe there maybe there's a, a game, a scenario where, where the defensive lineman goes in, gets a piece of the quarterback, and then their eyes meet and uh, you know, and then the love sack is is uh, created. Right. So I'm gonna go with oh. the love sack. <laughs> love sack. Love it, love it. We could also do. Uh, you you mentioned in the other recording, uh, you have a cheerleader and a kicker's in love with a cheerleader. 
and it would be called what you would call kick the balls. Yeah, kicking the balls. Kicking the balls. <laughs> then Hallmark would change it to kick off Cupid. I like the cu- kick off Cupid is awesome. <laughs> and then let's see. I, I think for a plot that I could see happen for a Hallmark big game movie is a guy just proposed at the worst time in the middle of halftime show for the gridiron pigskin classic because they can't say Super Bowl. Yeah. You know. If you're making money, you can't say Super Bowl. <laughs> the only way you're going to make money by saying Super Bowl is if you give that money to the NFL, let's be honest. So so anyway, so he proposed in the middle of the halftime show because he was part of one of the performers, maybe. <laughs> and he's proposing, and it's the Gridiron Pigskin Classic. She says no to him. One year later... You know, you just see him with with a uh, with a beard, or it could be a she. You know, whatever you prefer. They, you, you know, whatever. You know, it's twenty twenty two, right? Yeah, it's crazy times. You know, <laughs> having a long beard and 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 then their friends like, hey, it's the big game. I mean, there's a chance to win the big game. And he's like, well, you gotta re- remind me of of what happened over ten years ago, dude. It was last year. What are you talking about? Why was it long? <laughs> I like it. And and so they go. Like, There's a contest. There, it's like a pass punt kick contest to to get tickets to the big game. And so they enter him. And, and of course, while he's practicing punting, accidentally punts right in front of a lady's face. Because, to be honest, I, to be honest, back in middle school, when I was trying to kick the football one time, I accidentally kicked a girl's face. So, that, that's why I added that in. Like, oh, that's a great way to meet a person. Let's see how that gets handled. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hold on one second for some reason my phone is not hearing you it's a you somehow went to oh how do i get you back on the speaker i'm not sure what happened don't, don't worry on my end it, don't, don't worry on my end it, it, it's recording fine so okay yeah you're back I, well i was it was sorry i couldn't hear you there at the end you, you cut out but i think it was on it might have been something on my phone i might have had a, a text or a phone call come in that i didn't see yeah they, they could hopefully they can find a way with uh phones at some point while you're recording uh even when someone texts or 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 the tenth spam call in only around ten a.m. You know, <laughs> and it doesn't interfere with recording. Hopefully, they get to that point. But right. anyway, let's get to the plot. Of what I was explaining, and so, and and the twist is they are rival fans. <laughs> you, you know, they, they you got to have them be rival fans of, of the of the big game, of course. Right. And, and competing against each other. You, you got to have that cliche in there. Because otherwise people look like, this is not a Hallmark movie. What's going on? Why is it not like a usual Hallmark movie? <laughs> and your quarterback is played by Candace Cameron Bure. 
<laughs> uh, I was kind of thinking of Jen Lilly. I I, I kind of like Jen Lilly a little bit okay. more. Famous. Or Lacey Chabert. Yeah, let's have Lacey Chabert in there. I like Lacey Chabert. I need to watch more Hallmark movies. So I don't know who any of these people are. Lacey Chabert, uh, she was in Mean Girls. She was one of the Mean Girls. And... Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about. Okay. I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, I only watch Hallmark movies because during Christmas time, they're my guilty pleasure to watch Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, they're always fairly easy. There's no, The plots usually don't get too crazy. They're, you know... Yeah. When the it's when plots uh, mimic real life too much, that's when you get you start finding yourself stressed out by the end of the movie. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute. Why did I just do that to myself? <laughs> yeah. And but then, as, of course, but as long as it's a pilot that's lost in you know Alaska, trying to find a, a woman who caught a train to go look for him or whatever, then I can live with that because that's not going to come up in my life. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you have it. They end up at the big game. You know, one of them wins the tickets, but they decided, you know, you know, the two tickets. So they end up giving it to the runner-up. And then they go to the big game. You know, that that would be a plot right there. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> or something happens and they tie, so they have to go together. And they've always disliked each other for years and years and years. Something maybe like that. Maybe yeah. they hated. Maybe they hated each other's teams as kids, and they took it really personal. Yeah, that, that. Yeah, through that a plate of nachos, they find that. What's that? I I said yeah, I, I agree. They could do something in that nature. Yeah, and they find love in a stadium, a, a plate of stadium nachos, like some helmet nachos, maybe. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's. Uh, do you want to add of what your plot line would be, or? Oh, I don't know. I like your plot line. <laughs> I'm stuck on yours. <laughs> I, I don't think I could find any other way to end this. Wow, <laughs> nearly an hour and a half podcast episode. Wow. Wow, that went by quick. But if we if we really count the uh, you know our let, let's just call it um, uh, rehearsal times yesterday, then we're we're yeah, three hours, hours into hours two hours yeah two hours. <laughs> well, it's always worth it. I love sitting down, hanging out, talking to you, man, and uh, I want to do this again soon. Yeah, and definitely I would really appreciate, you know, checking out your studio and being on one of your podcast episodes. Absolutely. You name the time and we'll make it happen. You name the day and you're more than welcome to come over. We'll do we'll do some stuff for sure. And we have uh, we have a number of shows that you can participate in, too. <laughs> we should bring your shows on your show onto the network. We can put your show on the network, too. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Definitely. And maybe I could see if I could get my other comedian friends, you know, because I realized most of my better, uh, well, I mean, entertaining episodes wise, you got to make sure to have a, at least one comedian. But I'm just curious what we got two comedians and an aspiring comedian for, for a show. 
what chaos that would ensue. Well, you got to stay tuned for the next episode. Nah, future (laughs) episode for the Industry Order Copycast. Well, Tom, do you got anything to plug? Uh, if you want to follow me on the uh, the Instagram at XF Comic, um, GigglesLive.com is where you can find all of my radio and tour dates and all that. And uh, big show at Levity Live coming up in uh, March 30th. We're doing a fundraiser for um, Project Understanding. It's the Women Crush Wednesday show. It's uh, all of my favorite comics. They just happen to be female. And then... And, uh and some one of the girls mentioned it she goes we're all female comics and i was like oh yeah so let's make it a theme so we're, we're going to do a women crush wednesday um show and and uh raise money for project understanding it's going to be a really good time sounds like a really good time yeah and if you want to see my longer set at levity with all the different things that have gone on in my life over the last uh year <laughs> that, that it will be your a perfect opportunity to come see me do a longer set with a lot of uh newer bits that that are uh really exciting but uh you know there's just a lot I, let's I, let's leave it that i'm very i'm a biographical comic i talk about my real life a lot so let's leave it that way i i'm to be honest if i could put myself as an aspiring comic right now i'm basically present comic and i'm just looking forward to once we get past these crazy times that i could actually challenge myself on making jokes Right. Because I got nine, ten pages full of, you know, just with this administration, these times, the pandemic, the handling. <laughs> I want to get challenged, man, afterwards. I want to challenge to see if I can come up with a joke that's besides, you know, about these times. Right. Exactly. For those days. Well, we'll get we'll get you out there. We'll do some shows, and we'll start working on some fun stuff, man. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Tom. I really appreciate it. We gotta do this another time, and maybe we could even see with one of my other comedian friends, you know, and or maybe oh, even stop on by the Venture Harbor Comedy Club and see one, you know, for open mic night. Yeah, that'd be great. I actually popped in for their open mic a couple of weeks ago. I kind of sat in the back and, and uh, snuck out right before it ended and did my usual thing. A lot of times I'm in the room and people don't know it. Although I haven't been in the room when you were there that I know of yet, Nathan. I would always come up and say hi to you. <laughs> well, I haven't been there in a while because I've, you know, the, the pandemic and like most of the time, like I've been like when you work on the same day. You know, when you work on the same day, you get tired from doing work. Like, do you really want to drive back down, you know, the venture? Because I live in Ojai, so it's just. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, and especially if, uh, especially during, uh, um, especially if you don't feel like you're prepared for to do your set, then that's when it's weird, too. When you're like, all right, you're just not really ready, and da-da-da-da, that's, that's when it gets kind of crazy, too. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Tom. I really appreciate as we close the lid on this episode of the Industry Over Coffin Cast. <laughs>